Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. When putting together your gear, wrap a piece of duct tape around your water bottle. It's barely noticeable, but if another piece of gear breaks or tears, pull off your tape to make a quick patch or repair. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fike Media Network. And it is WrestleMania Monday. Yes, it continues. Two nights are in the books of the most stupendous show of the year. And I got to say, this was a back-to-back banger for WWE by today's standards. And happy Monday to you all. I am Keela Cash. And by my side, per the usual, is my right-hand man, the co-captain and the wise man who was still somehow, some way, the advocate of Von Wagner. I present to you scott young welcome back scott man it's a, it's a pleasure to be back Keela, to chop it up and talk all things wwe with you um it weekends like this are why i you know i'm i'm a wwe guy and why i stick with this company because when they get it right man they really get stuff right and these two nights uh, has to be considered a success, and I'm very excited to talk about night two. Yes, two very different nights of WrestleMania, and I really enjoyed both nights for what they were. You got everything if you were a wrestling fan. If you were not sports entertained, I don't know what to say. You got the best of both worlds this weekend from WWE, and this eclipses WrestleMania 32 six years ago in Dallas, a one-night extravaganza that was just fluff-filled. It was all about beating that attendance record, and it just felt like a hollow WrestleMania. And despite this show running over two nights, WWE made each night of WrestleMania Mania account in the best possible way. Yeah, it was it was all the matches tonight, especially uh, the earlier matches, the ones that I really didn't think a lot of. They really over exceeded, you know, the expectations, at least for me personally. And we'll get to it when we talk about them specifically. But I just I think everyone really upped their game. And I want to give a shout out to the crowd, man. This is one of the best mania crowds. We were talking about this off the air and we both agree. This is one of the best mania crowds. I mean, I've ever heard they were really loud for everything going on. If any if if they gave them a reason to cheer, they played right along with them it was it was great to hear man it's it's nice to hear wwe get these types of genuine reactions and where it doesn't where nothing seemed piped in no this was easily the best crowd i've seen for two wwe shows back to back in a very long time the energy level was ridiculous and to run things back to back the way they did with specific segments and the crowd still goes crazier and crazier and crazier and you can see the reaction you can feel it from home because it's authentic it's not piped in and some people on this show were absolutely positively over and before we get into all things wrestlemania night two i do want to mention that we're giving away another prop on this show associated with all things wrestlemania weekend and all you got to do is simply put in the secret word in your prop app and the secret word is mania wrap up it's a perfect way to wrap up a very busy 
WrestleMania weekend. That password is all in lowercase as you know what to do. And for more information, you can send an email to FikingMediaPoop at gmail.com for any questions or concerns about the Poop in the process of cashing that thing in just in time for Double or Nothing going down in May for AEW. And with that, let's take a deep dive into all things WrestleMania 38 Night 2 as we kick things off with a very emotional opening. Triple H coming out to the game by Motorhead and the crowd did not expect this. No one did if you if you were watching at home as well. He comes out there. He is full of emotion. His daughter's at ringside. He kisses and hugs them all. He gives us that water moment. He does the poses in all four corners. The crowd is going crazy. And this is basically him walking down the WrestleMania aisle for the last time as an active performer in WWE. He retired a couple of weeks ago via first take in the Stephen A. Smith show on ESPN+. Plus. He puts the boots in the center of the ring and he is done. He wanted to thank the fans for their love and support throughout this process. And he really had that moment to welcome us to WrestleMania because I wondered where was the pyro? Where was the pageantry to kick off night two? But Triple H set the emotional tone perfectly. And anytime you hear the game, you just get chills. And that was truly a WrestleMania. WrestleMania moment. Yeah, this is a, a beautiful moment to see. It was great to see. Um, Triple H, you could tell, really was soaking it in, um, really playing to the crowd. And I, I really enjoyed watching. I'm glad he got to have this moment, this WrestleMania moment. And I'm sure it kind of felt like closure a little bit to close this chapter, to get that last adulation from the crowd. And the crowd just loved every minute of it. it wasn't too much you know he came in he said what he needed to say got the big pyro um you know got the big water spot laid his boots down nice moment right there from triple h and you know for all this the the flack that triple h the performer gets triple h the the behind the scenes guy he kind of stays out of the way for the most part yeah he's got his thing he had his thing with nxt where he liked to take the pictures and point up their nose that was his thing for a while he was just pointing out they had boogers up there that's all that's just he was just looking out for him for their pictures but you know he for the most part he stayed out of the way and this was the, pretty much the same thing he had his moment he soaked it in then he did his thing and got out the way that's why I kind of I, I've always had a different type of respect for Triple H because that's how he always came off to me. Again, I didn't live through the reign of terror, so I, I was blessed in that regard. But this was really cool, man. Awesome, awesome way to start the show uh, and a different way to start the show. Yes, very lovely. And listen, the Triple H effect will live on forever via several very elaborate entrances, and there will be a Triple H match special that goes over 20 minutes. It'll be very methodical and slow-paced. That is the Triple H WrestleMania special. It will go on forever and have forever and ever. Cody and Seth had that moment on Saturday, and we'll get to who, who had that moment last night later on during this review. But the in-ring action kicked off for the Raw Tag Team titles involving RK-Bro, versus the Street Profits versus the Alpha Academy. And I thought this was the best match bell to bell on the show last night. A great, fast-paced opener. Montez Ford with that flip dive onto everybody. Clearing the ring post was fantastic. Chad Gable with a beautiful moonsault from the top laying at everybody ringside as well. And this was all about building up the hot tag 
of Whittle to Randy Orton and that crowd in Dallas goes crazy for the hot tag as Randy goes off goes after Montez Ford and Dawkins and Gable and we got great double T moments from RK bro with the draping DDT to the Street Profits and the closing sequence of this match was fantastic as Montez Ford is up top going for the cash out frog splash and Randy Orton for the win and Matt Riddle, got to go by his full name, Matt Riddle, delivers a springboard RKO to Montez Ford. The crowd goes crazy. Chad Gable thinks, I'm going to go up top. I'm going to fly. No, 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 no. Randy catches him with an RKO out of midair to retain the Raw Tag Team titles. I thought this was a fantastic match. The crowd was eating it up. A lot of high spots. And then we get a celebration from the Prophets and RK Bro. Then Chad Gable crashes the party as Gable Stevenson's in the ring as well, celebrating with RK Bro and Street Profits. And I laughed my ass off when Riddle, Orton, Ford, and Dawkins realized, you know what? Gable and Gable, let's go. Let's exit the ring. This isn't our scene. And Randy's face at ringside was a meme watching this unfold. Gable getting in Gable's face, fighting for the custody of the name Gable. And Gable Stevenson laid out Chad Gable with an overhead suplex and a crowd popped. And it was a nice WrestleMania moment for him. And WWE is investing a lot of time on this guy, Olympic gold medalist, two-time NCAA wrestling champion, and we'll see how it goes on Monday Night Raw. And if you want to pair him up with somebody to really make a difference on this show, Chad Gable is the guy for the job. And I cannot wait to see what magic they produce moving forward on Monday nights. But I thought this was a great way to kick off WrestleMania with Randy Orton being my MVP for the meme-worthy facial expressions alone at ringside during the Gable versus Gable confrontation. This was just a a fantastic match. The crowd was so hot for this. Um, I think the only thing that could have made this match better was if they were winning the titles here. Like I, I, I wouldn't have mind if you know Alpha Academy had carried the belts all the way to Mania, and then RK Bro gets them back, or even the Street Profits to be in the RK Bro spot when the titles on the heel turn, and then they get them back. But I think this, that's just me nitpicking. This was a fantastic match. Um, you laid out everything that they did. They I mean they were just going move for move and building and building, and Riddle's just getting whooped on it, whooped on it. He makes a big move, and he gets stopped so close and we're just building to that hot tag and for at least one night at least one night WWE said we can put on excellent tag team wrestling when we want to when we want to focus and really give tag teams time and let them build we we have we can show we have great teams too um this is a great weekend for tag team wrestling and WWE had to be a part of it they said we got to be a part of that and this was a great tag team match, man. Uh, Randy Orton comes in. This is my guy right here. R- running rampant as a baby face. Has one of the best pow- snap power slams in the game. Um, you laid out the beautiful springboard, RK- uh, springboard RKO. First of all, I didn't even know Matt Riddle did springboards. So <laughs> that was, first thing, when I saw him, I was like, wait a minute. What's about to go on right here? And then he catches Montez and brings him down. And, I, and Montez might have the best sell of an RKO since RVD as far as looking like his neck is snapped 
snapping every time he hits the mat. Um, so that was beautiful. Art, Randy Orton hits another one midair. And the crowd, when they popped for riddles, it was like, oh, that was crazy. And then right after, here comes Randy Orton hits his. And they just hit a whole nother gear. Randy's fired up. I mean, this was an incredible way to start the show. It almost felt like the like the energy from the end of last night or the end of the night before, uh, which was incredible, carried over into the next night and just never missed a beat. It, this was a great way to start the show. RK Bro is they got to be up there as one of the you know best as far as fan favorite babyface tag teams going in wrestling right now. I mean the 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 fans just love these guys and I really hope there's no turn coming for them anytime soon cuz you can easily get another 6 months out of these guys easily with no issues. So I love the match and I hope we get a lot more RK Bro going forward. Me too. Great opener. And this partnership has been going on for almost a year now, and they're hitting their stride. And as you mentioned, them winning the titles at WrestleMania would have been better, but defending is a nice consolation prize. You go in as champs, you leave champs, and you deliver a performance like that. And Randy Orton, dare I say, is the best hot tag in the business today. The anticipation for this man to get in his ring, to hit his signature spots, give the people what they want, belly to back suplexes on the announce table, RKO's, draping DDTs. He gives you a show. And as a seasoned vet, you understand the assignment of what you need to do to maximize that pop to the fullest. And, you know, I, I do want to give a quick shout out to Montez Ford for always just, you know, making sure people don't forget that I'm, I can fly just as high as anyone in the biz. Um, that beautiful dive to the outside on the, on the, over the ring post. I love that. That was beautiful. I, you know, the, the thing I, 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 one thing I really enjoyed about RK Bro during this match is the crowd when Randy Orton was about to hit that DDT. And then you see Dawkins come up and, you know, he's like, Riddle. Come on, hit you know. Let's let's do this together. The crowd ate that up. They love this partnership, man. They and it's because Randy's so invested. It's because Randy is, is just having a blast with him with Riddle, and you know Riddle Riddle is who Riddle is. And the fact that he's able to get Randy to bring this side of it, it makes this team so endearing. It makes both of these guys so likable that you just have you you want to root for them. And you, the crowd's reaction is. Just a beautiful thing. So seeing them do the stereo DDTs and then, you know, get the crowd fired up like Randy and then Riddle's doing it and they turn and get rid of the Viper. It's just beautiful stuff, man. I, I, I can't say enough about this tag team. Yes, and not to mention the Doomsday Devices from Alpha Academy mm. and Street Profits. Those Bulldogs yes. and Blockbusters and the height Montez Fort caught on that Blockbuster was absolutely ridiculous, by the way. Beautiful. Oh, perfection. What a great opener to night two of WrestleMania. You felt good because night one, the opener was very sad with Boogs and I feel for him. But this was a nice palate cleanser to kick off night two of WrestleMania. As we move on to the battle of big horses, Bobby Lashley versus Omos. And I remember there was a Monday Night Raw late last year and it was in MVP's hometown of Miami to 305. And the fans were really excited to see Bobby Lashley versus Omos. They were very intrigued by this matchup. And we got little morsels here and there of what they can do. It wasn't terrible. But my fear is here's a match of WrestleMania. There are no smoke. There are no smoke and mirrors. It's just them in the ring together. Battle Bell. 
it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. But I'm very happy with who won. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I love when the big hosses go at it, man. Um, a, you know, a few weeks ago, I I enjoyed a Commander Aziz match and an Omos match. So if that'll tell you, I definitely enjoyed this one. Bobby Lashley, I thought, came off as a huge baby face here. Um, I think this is probably Omos's best match to date. I don't think that's too outlandish to say, even with his tag matches. I think this is his best match to date as far as him looking like he he knew what he was doing, looking like a monster and not looking like he was thinking about it. He just looked like he was reacting and moving. And credit to Bobby Lashley, man. Hey, Bobby Lashley, the worker. Let's talk about that for a minute. He's getting good to great matches out of guys who, you know, you're not expecting much out of. Omos, you're not expecting much out of. You're expecting a couple clubbing blows to the back, a nice high kick, and then a big choke slam. That's it. But Bobby Lashley got a little something out of him. The crowd was still invested. That's a that's a testament to Bobby Lashley, man. He carried Omos to a great match. Omos more than held his own, but Bobby Lashley, the worker. We gotta start talking about that. You know, we we talk about his his character, his presentation, and his presence and physique, and just you know how he looks and carries himself. But the guy between the ropes, top tier, top tier. Let's let's not ever gloss over that. This guy is top tier. So I'm I'm glad he got a nice baby face win right here. Um, I thought Omos looked good for being able to you know just bang Lashley around like that because people don't get to do that. So Omos got to do that. He still looks good. He can recover from this. Give him a month of just dominating people and he's back to being the monster. He is in the Braun Strowman, Kane, Big Show role where he's kind of, he's that big man that the top baby faces are going to beat. You know, the top baby faces, that's that mountain that they're going to have to climb to get to maybe the title picture or, you know, maybe the top heel is sending Omos to get him. But there he's going to be that big mountain to climb. And that's a good role for him. Uh, Lashley with the big suplex spot. That was really cool. Just I, I enjoyed this match probably more than most people did. But, you know, I like a hoss battle. I like him, too, when they're done properly and both men can work. And Bobby Lashley is a great worker and his two-year run at the top has been great and I think he deserves another run at a major championship I truly believe that and I have to say outside of Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre and perhaps Brock Lesnar and possibly soon to be Cody Rhodes he might be the third or fourth most protected guy in WWE it really says something when you beat Omos after this dude is not off his feet for well over a year you suplex him you pin him clean you spear him twice to get the victory and that really means that Bobby is back in line for a major championship very very soon and I'm here for it and Omos you know what he played his role perfectly he was unstoppable for a year but all streaks come to an end and I thought that Bobby Lashley was the right guy to beat him at Wrestlemania it was a short match they didn't get too crazy with stuff, but ultimately this was a nice showcase victory for Bobby to get him back in the forefront in the main event scene. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket. Now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 
What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I, I really think that this, I fully expect Bobby Lashley to be the the guy that makes the challenge as far as the day after WrestleMania. We always get a, a hot challenger to go after the next time. I think Bobby Lashley is going to go after uh, the title as far as the Raw after Mania. Hopefully, I don't want to see Cody there yet. I think you can build to that and you can really build some anticipation for that. And there's some matches for Cody in the meantime. And I know that's the sexy pick, but I think Lashley's the guy you go with after a big win like Omos that you can really play off of. He's a guy, and Paul Heyman can sell that fear too. Um, bring MVP back, you can kind of even the odds a little bit. Him and La- him and Roman Reigns, I, th- I think that's the way to go. Definitely. And Cody, his time will come, not right now. And I look at Monday Night Raw, and the options outside of a championship are limitless in terms of opponents. He is going to be good, but Bobby can definitely be the next short-term guy to go after Roman post-WrestleMania. As we segue into art... A masterpiece, the peak of sports entertainment, a moment that will last forever, a match that moved me to tears from laughing so hard, a match that popped this crowd beyond belief and the primary reason why Sami Zayn resigned with WWE to have an absolutely batshit crazy, astounding, stupendous, anything goes match against noted strong style jackass Johnny Knoxville. We did not know what to expect. I didn't know what was coming regarding this matchup and we got everything. We got mechanical hands. We had tasers. We had Sami Zayn being shocked on the turnbuckle. We had Wee Man delivering a power slam to Sami Zayn in a moment that might eclipse Hogan slamming Andre the Giant. Put that in the signature opener for WWE moving forward. We had all the jackasses giving Sami Zayn the business. Sami Zayn got tossed through a table full of mousetraps and then they produced the biggest mousetrap of all and Johnny Knoxville fixed the mousetrap to trap Sami Zayn for the most stupendous victory in WrestleMania history. And I have to give a nod, a tip of the cap to the greatness of Pat McAfee and Michael Cole on commentary who were living their best lives on commentary. Pat McAfee talking about a man's ass cheeks clapping was peak 2022 commentary and Michael Cole losing his shit was everything. This was a WrestleMania moment that makes me proud to be a WWE fan. I live for moments like this and I am proud to say this was my favorite match from a pure craziness standpoint things I never thought I would see and my goodness did they deliver and Mark Henry won Twitter by saying that he is leaving a legacy as his hand is all grown up and that hand slapped the shit out of Sami Zayn 
this uh i mean this is this is the embodiment of sports entertainment this is and I, there's going to be some people that hate this man but i i'm with you keila i had a blast with this this is what i'm talking about when i said that the fir- like the first three matches here maybe not the first one, i think we all expected a, a really good great match with the first one but omos lashley i thought that over delivered i thought this i mean I was expecting a five-minute stunt show. We we got really a, a hardcore match. So we essentially got an Extreme Rules match. So this is what you could find back in, you know, 09 on ECW when Big Show was champion. You would find a match like this, minus the, the big mouse traps. But that would have been good use for Big Show if you wanted to pin him back in the day. It actually would have been a great idea. Um, this, this match was absolutely ridiculous. It was bonkers. It literally was a jackass TV episode in a match like so if you can imagine them having a match during the show this is exactly what it would look like except 70,000 people going crazy for them um, I love the introductions of Johnny Knoxville he was two cheeseburgers short of I think 175 so that was a, a great introduction right there I think he was uh, I think he was called Johnny Strong style or something like that so that was cool I, just the little things that they did during this whole thing was was great um, the he- the hell of a kick right off the bat, just smack, bam. Let's go ahead and establish the you know establish this right here. I'm I'm levels above you as far as pure wrestling. Then we bring the weapons out and you know let me tell you something, man. I don't know if Knoxville is supposed to be taking these kind of bumps because I I know that dude's been through a lot and he he took some bumps, man. WWE over delivered on their celebrity matches this year. I'm gonna just. All of the celebrities knocked it out the park. Nothing more you can ask out of them. Uh, if you'd have told me that Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn were, would go 15 minutes and the crowd would be invested for every single minute of it, I I would have to say, you got to show me that. You got to show me that. And then I would see it and be like, oh, my God, what are, what are you going to do next? What What's next? Let me see what's next. This was crazy, man. You got Wee Man not only slamming him, he held that man. He picked him up and, and held that man and kind of walked around a little bit. And the crowd is going crazy. Pontius's cheeks are clapping and the crowd is going crazy. And Michael Cole's like, how come you seen his, his, his willy in his, in his butt? How have you seen that? What do, what do you go to Pornhub or something? What are you talking about? And Pat's like, I think most of America's seen it, Michael Cole, if you had a TV back in the day. And so just great commentary. One of the few times where you should actually listen to the commentary because it does add to the match because they're I, I, they couldn't have been produced because I have I have no faith that anybody in the back knew any of them so just great all around a fun time just a fun match for the crowd to just enjoy and be a part of and Sami Zayn man that guy that guy earned his paycheck him and Kevin Owens are sitting back like yo we got paid, we were in marquee matches, and we knocked it out the park. WWE better take care of them boys because they they stole the shows at their respective WrestleManias. They really did. They got the bag and they got rewarded for it big time via these two matches back to back. Sammy was happy for KO on Saturday night and Kevin Owens was very happy for Sami Zayn last night. This was just high entertainment, a mechanical foot kicked Sami Zayn in the balls. A bowling ball, 7-10 split rolled into Sami Zayn's junk. And Michael Cole is just 
I'm going to anoint Michael. This might have been his finest WrestleMania call ever between this and Pat McAfee's match. Like this dude was in the pocket and he brought so much life to this match. And Pat is self-explanatory in terms of how great he is. But this was just absolutely phenomenal to watch as a viewer. And if you didn't love it, I can understand if it was too crazy for you. But in the moment, this was peak sports entertainment. The fans loved this. And I always go by their reactions because if you like it who am I to say this sucks if you are getting up on your feet for we fucking man picking up Sami Zayn with the greatest of ease (laughs) and slamming him down on the mat and you're going off allow me to say good for you because that shit is entertaining as fuck I loved this with every fiber of my being. And from Johnny Knoxville, Pat McAfee, Logan Paul, the celebrities showed up this year and they showed out. And fuck, Bad Bunny last year, these three this year, run it all back in L.A. next year. Why not? I mean, in, in all seriousness, like you, you can't ask for much more out of celebrities. Because to me, this shows that they just they respect the craft. Like that, that to me, when you when you show up and you're prepared and, and you take this serious, like you could tell they took this serious. Like they even even Chris Ponty is doing the party boy thing. Like when he got hit, he stayed down. This wasn't like Steve-O when he was drugged up and Umaga had to really beat that dude down um, on an episode of Raw when he wouldn't stay down. Like I, I remember. Remember watching it like god dang umaga you whooping the hell out of this dude and, and that's why but so it, it the respect you could tell that there's a respect factor there and i man i i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this so at this point in wrestlemania i'm like they're so far they're eclipsing night one because night one started off a little slow so at this point i'm like this is on its way to be one of the greatest wrestlemanias of all time but we hit some snags where we'll get to that yeah we had some roadblocks along the way but this was a much better start to wrestlemania than how night one started and this was just the highlight before our next matchup which was sasha banks and Naomi versus Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler and Natalya versus the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Carmella and Queen Zelina. And listen, I'm very happy for Sasha Banks and Naomi. I truly am. Sasha Banks breaks the streak by winning her first match out of WrestleMania. I love their entrance, by the way. But Scott, I have to mention that the most cohesive tag team was not the tag team champions. It was... The best dress duo of this of this show. It was Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan being the living embodiment of Batman and Catwoman. And I'm like, give them the titles now. They are a tag team. They dress like a tag team. They act like a tag team. Do I want more for Rhea as a single star? Yes. But this combination and their chemistry is a dream. And I love them as a tag team. You know, because you're you're right on on everything you said about them being a tag team, looking like a tag team. Because um, when you see like when the entrances today with Naomi and Sasha, great entrances by the way. I thought Naomi's was sweet looking with the glow sticks and everything, and the crowd was with it. But then Sasha comes out and. There's levels to this, and Sasha is levels above Naomi. And I know it's not that they don't mean it to be like that, but it just feels like Naomi is there with Sasha. You know, like Sasha's there and Naomi's there too. Like that's how it comes off to me. But Rhea and Liv, like they come off like even even though we know Rhea is this incredible single star who should be a pillar of your company and should be on the same path that Bianca is just on the other show. But that's a whole other subject. 
even though she should be like that, her and Liv just there's a chemistry there where they're like, oh, yeah, they 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 fit really well together. So I'm with you on that, but I just think, like I said, Rhea's a pillar, and I her and Sasha Banks be Sasha Banks is a pillar too. What am I talking about? There's two pillars in this in this cluster of a tag match, which was way better than it had any right to be. So I'm not knocking the match. Let me just throw that out there. Really good tag match that had the crowd invested by the end. But you have two pillars who could have had a singles match, and you could still have a three-way tag match. You you could have had was that would that make four women's matches on the card, which would have been fantastic to have. And you have just a regular singles match that doesn't have a title. That to me, you know, that's showing as far as like just having a, a regular women's singles match with no title, but just because you have two top tier women. That's when you know you're getting to that next level as far as women getting the spots and the recognition they deserve. I mean, we're getting better, but that's how, those are those next steps that we can take. And Sasha and Rhea Ripley in a one-on-one match was right there. I mean, that's that's a classic right there. And again, not knocking this tag match. It was good, you know. And you're right, the tag they they as a tag team probably should have won. But I am happy that Sasha is, does got rid of that zero by her name, but. Next year, I, I, I expect to see some singles matches when you have pillars in a tag team like that. Yeah, absolutely. And the match, you know what? At first, it was rough. Those dives on the outside. Who did not catch Sasha Banks? I won names immediately. That was very messy. Thankfully, the camera was smart enough to shoot far away, but I still saw the botch. But things did calm down. And once things settled down a bit and they got locked in, this became a very good tag team match. I loved the double tower Tower of Doom spot from Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley as well. And the closing sequence was great when we had basically Sasha Banks and Naomi hit like a double code breaker on Queen Zelina, I believe, to win the tag team titles. And I thought that was a great way to wrap up this match. I just thought that the beginning was rough, but once it got in the groove of things, it got much, much better. And I'm very happy for Sasha Banks to win her first match at a WrestleMania being now three-time women's tag team champions. That's remarkable. And even though we want more for her as a single star, she elevates those tag team titles every time she wins them. And whoever she partners with, whether it's Bailey or Naomi, those belts are going to get shined. They're going to get elevated. And they're going to be showcased on Raw and SmackDown. And here's my only issue. Like, once they drop the titles, I hope that the tag team division is strong with great contenders. That's always a drawback. They only care about these titles out of WrestleMania, and they don't care for the rest of the year, which is a damn shame. But with, when Sasha Banks has these titles, when Bailey or Naomi has these titles, it does count for something. And I hope that's the case post-WrestleMania season so we can have more of Rhea Ripley and Sasha Banks one-on-one versus a confine of a tag team match, which is good, but they can be so much better in a singles match but that's on WWE to build up tag teams that don't feature single stars trying to compensate for this division that needs legit tag teams to sustain itself long term. No, I think that's I think that's spot on. Um, Sasha Banks, like, we, and I've we've we talked about this on the show multiple times with different titles. Um, you know, the the man or the woman elevates the title. You know, they they make the title, not the other, and it shouldn't be the other way around. And you're absolutely right about Sasha Banks elevating these titles, being a former champion and just being Sasha Banks. I mean, she's a, she's a star. There's no doubt about that. So, I you know, I 
I can I can absolutely get with what you're saying as far as this may be what the tag titles need as far as getting a little bit more recognition, getting a little bit more TV time and maybe just just paying more attention, you know, WWE and, and getting TV time as far as just paying more attention to the tag division and taking it more serious. So I'm with you on that. that that's a great point. Yeah. And I'm just hope like whoever wins them next, dear God, they're the titles. Don't forget about them. Build teams up because Sasha's done this three times now. She gives up the belt to the Iconics, does it again by carrying Shayna and Nia Jax to a really good match back to back alongside Bailey. And now she has Naomi as her tag team partner and they have great tag team chemistry, but it's about who would beat them and will it count for anything? And for the love of God, get some real tag teams in there. Maybe eliminate those NXT women's tag team titles and have these titles float around all three shows, which should have been the goal from the jump street but you know wwe loves their titles despite how oversaturated tag team titles are in this company these days and with that it is now time to talk about aj styles versus edge a generational matchup and once again edge has an outstanding wrestlemania entrance that pays homage to triple h and the brood comes from the throne the fire the smoke edge looks clean in his gear i love the new Arthur bridge theme song great entrance by edge aj styles comes out he's bleeding from the face and some pyro got him during his entrance but he made it through and this was a pretty good match i think the crowd was a little bit worn out at this point and two seasoned vets out there you know it's 2022 and we like things fast and we want things quick. But when you have two vets out there, they want to give you a methodical psychological match that involves a lot of selling. And that does take time to heat up. And things did get better down the stretch. But I thought this was probably, in terms of heat, the weakest match on the show. Yeah, I, I think the match placement hurt this as well, especially the way, um, and this is props to the women, especially the way they were able to really lift that crowd up. You know, I had talked about how the crowd reaction kind of carried over to that first match. You know, they were real hot for that first match. They were still really invested in the Lashley Omos match, and the women were still able to keep them and have them really keep building at the end of that. And it's, I, I, you know, Edge, since he's come back, has wanted to just put on these 20, 25-minute classics. And sometimes, you know, you could go 15 minutes and just really just go balls to the wall and get the same effect. And so you kind of, or at least I was fully expecting Edge to try to do another 20, 25-minute match. And I just didn't think the match placement was here. I think if you put this behind that Omos match... I think the crowd is not only fresher, but they're they're still they're more invested in it. They'll be more invested in some of the spots that we got, um, like the 450 splash to the knees. I think they get a better reaction. So then when AJ starts selling the shoulder, which it looked like he popped back in for real. I couldn't tell because it seemed like a lot of people were getting their shoulders hurt and popping them back into place tonight. Uh, I don't know what was going on with that. But, you know, I think you the crowd is more invested in, in buying the injury more. So when Edge puts that you know, that LaBelle lock on and he really locks it in, you know, you, you, you get more, you know, you're like, okay, this, he might tap to that. So I, I think match placement hurt that a little bit, but like you said, two professionals, two, you know, multiple decade vets in the game are able to get that crowd back in. And, you know, probably about the time I would say, 
maybe after AJ, uh, AJ right before AJ hits that uh, Styles clash is really when the crowd started building to that. You know, Edge had hit the the education. Uh, or execution, I'm sorry. So, uh, and then Damian Priest all of a sudden shows up at the end, and you know I'm I'm baffled at first, but Damian Priest has the uh, the five o'clock shadow, so you know he's up to no good. He hasn't been sleeping. He's been doing a lot of thinking, and anytime somebody shows back up with the, with the five o'clock shadow, and his was real thick. He had a thick. It's a that was a weird thing too. I mean, let me just take a minute to talk about that. He had a thick five o'clock shadow. That's supposed to be a thin layer, but it seemed like. Uh, more of a I don't know let me, I'm sorry about that but yeah so he shows up and then you know AJ Styles takes a quick look at him before he goes for the style, the phenomenal forearm Edge gets set spear in midair one two three Edge had a beautiful entrance I, I love I'm really intrigued by this heel run and I love him coming out on the dark throne uh, I thought his get up was cool for what he's going for him and Priest is intriguing as a as a unit. I I like them as a unit because I think Damian Priest can eventually get something out of this, you know, if they let this build and let this simmer a year down the road, it can really get something out of this by beating Edge, which I assume has to be one of the one of the goals out of this group is to eventually get to a Damian Priest Edge match where Damian Priest gets a big win over Edge. I think you have to add a couple more people, either a tag team, and I'd like to get a, a woman's presence in there as well. I think a, you know maybe maybe Edge goes and talks to a you know a Nikki Ash and is like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You doing? <laughs> you, you still? You're still? You're like, what are you, why are you doing this? <laughs> what are you? What are you doing? Why, what's going on? Like, what you're doing is not working. I, what, why are you doing this? You know. So why don't you come with me? Let me and Damien come over here. We'll bite your neck. We'll turn you into one of the vampires like us. We'll put you in some leather, some black leather. You look cool like us. You know. You, we'll do our thing. We'll come up in, in our thrones, and the fire will be going. We'll have a nice dark goth party. No, but it also, I, I, you know, seriously, I think she'd be a good fit. You know, he could, that's something they easily could do. Hey, why are you doing this? The fans aren't with you anymore. Why? <laughs> What's going on up there? What are you doing? You're not even a superhero. You're an almost superhero and, and you're running with this. Like, bring back the Nick, the Nick, you know, the crazy Nikki. So, I think there's something here. You know, I want to see what the full unit's going to look like, the completed set. But uh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm in tears right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I would if if he just walked up to her like he was like, "Yo, what are you doing?" Like if he hit her with that, like that's great. I, I'm all in. I'm all in. Oh my god! I swear, once a show, this happens. It happens once a show for these special moments. Like Scott pops me. <laughs> I just, you know, I was trying to think of, you know, what what female would Edge really just kind of be disgusted at when he walked up on him and be like, "God dang it, man! What's what are you what are you doing? Like, what's what's wrong? What's what's what are you what are you thinking right now? Like, who? I, I just was just thinking, like, who would he be disgusted when he walked up on? And what do you know? The almost superhero was the first person I thought of. The accuracy, first of all, but I love the idea because Nikki Ash needs to go back to being Nikki Cross. Carrie Cross is no longer in WWE. You can now reclaim your last name because she does batshit crazy like nobody's business. I would like the idea of Rhea Ripley being a part of this crew as well. Mm, I like that, would, that. Yeah, that'd be pretty badass. But Damian Priest and his very thick 
five o'clock shadow looked really good last night. He did. Like, okay, whatever y'all was doing with Damien and, and the priest, this Damien priest was on point. Because when you give him a good character and a better script, like this is a Damien priest. I love brooding, mysterious, sexy edge is apparently reconstituting the brood for the 2022s. And I'm very excited about that. I think that WWE has been watching some AEW Dynamite. They see House of Black and they say, hmm, this is intriguing. So if we have a faction too and we add our spin to it, we can be cool too. At this point, why not? Edge is a great talker, great worker. Damian Priest equally is good. You add a Rhea Ripley or a Nikki Ash to this crew, it's solid to me and the material will be golden and it's encouraging that edge during this new group would lead to him being on tv way more often than he is post wrestlemania season so i'm all in and this damian priest is much better than dr jekyll mr hyde rosemary's baby all (laughs) that shit is gone this damian priest i can work with yeah, I, I think they I think they realize, you know, maybe if we just let some of these people do some of these weird ideas they have, they won't want to leave us like everybody else. They're like, you know, all we had to do was just let Alistair Black do his weird stuff and we could have kept him under contract, kicking people's heads off. But no, you know, we don't want to do weird stuff. So they're like, just let Edge do his thing. Just just let him let him do his ideas, whatever he wants to do. Just let him have his throne. You know, Triple H isn't going to use it anymore. So let him have his throne. It's fine. We'll paint it black. Nobody will know. Exactly. And hey, that's good foresight by WWE. Listen, if you have to clear crazy ideas to encourage people to stay, go for it. We love kookiness in professional wrestling. We love the corporate ministry back in the day with Taker and Vince running shit. We love the brood and the new brood. And whatever you're going to do with Edge and Damian Priest and maybe Nikki Ash, who Scott just raked through the coals on this show. But it's necessary (laughs) because she hasn't done anything lately. She needs a character switch desperately. And her being crazy alongside these people and Edge and Damian Priest would be the perfect fit to get her out of this superhero funk. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is the New Days. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods versus Rich Holland and Sheamus. This match was supposed to take place during night one of WrestleMania, but due to a shitload of videos and Peacock and WWE running numerous video packages, this match was cut for time, but was added to night two. And in hindsight, we just could have kept this match for SmackDown this Friday on Fox because it went for a grand total of two minutes. And I feel bad for the new day, but at the same time, I don't feel too bad because if this was Sheamus and Butch versus a new day, I would be angrier because Butch would have his first WrestleMania cut short due to time and Rich Holland. I simply do not care. And what's even worse is the fact that the new day can't avenge Big E on this night. Now, even at two minutes, they lose and they have his gear on. It's a lovely tribute to him. And they keep showing the video of him breaking his neck. WWE, stop that. It's traumatizing. But all of this, the loss, the booking, the time, it was a mess. And quite frankly, we could have cut this match from this show, save it for SmackDown. And at this point, I'm begging WWE to find a third man to temporarily be a part of the New Day to even the numbers against Butch, Botch, and Bitch. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was a great uh that was a great little promo he cut before uh, mania yesterday t- or the on saturday night um yeah I, I this was uh this was a waste of time and man i really didn't even think about that till you said it but you're absolutely right they and Ridge Holland was the one who got the pin. Sheamus even made sure that Ridge Holland got the pin. He was like, hey, I, I laid him out for you. All you got to do is pin him. Now they're right there. Just just go on top of him. Like, God dang, what are we doing? We we showed all these videos of Big, like you said, breaking his neck. And we can't even let them boys get a win. After we bumped them off their original night. And we, I guess we, we, we did, we, what do we do? Do we cut off some of our uh, 30 seconds off of each video package? You know, so instead of having two minutes for each video that you showed between each match, now we only have a minute and a half because I don't think we needed a recap of every single match from the night before. Because I'm pretty sure if they're watching tonight, they saw have already seen this stuff from the night before. I didn't need a recap of Baron Corbin versus Drew McIntyre. Uh, why would you do that? You're just pissing me off at that point. <laughs> and then you had the nerve to show me Drew McIntyre kicking out of end of days. You you had the nerve to show me something like that. Like, what are you doing? I don't need to see that again. That was the worst part of the match. Might have been one of the worst parts of the entire weekend. <laughs> you ruined five years. Um, at least. So, uh, you know, th- again, uh, unnecessary stuff. The match is unnecessary. The outcome is, is baffling that you don't avenge your former WWE champion whose neck got broken. Uh, you let the guy who did that actually get a big win at WrestleMania, which is crazy. And then Pete Dunn or, or Dutch, I mean, Butch Dutch, whatever his name is, <laughs> he jumps on top and he has to get a quick, I, I don't know, man, this was a mess and didn't need to be on the card, even though I feel bad because it feels weird saying Sheamus and Kofi and Xavier Woods, who had good years. Xavier Woods is one of the he's the only guy to beat Roman Reigns in twenty this year. Let's not forget that. He got a DQ win over him. That's I mean, that's that's something to talk about. He won King of the Ring. And they don't have him like this is just as disappointing all around. Very upsetting. Yes, this was by far the worst booked match of the weekend Mm -hmm. that we could have cut from the show and kept it for SmackDown on Friday because it was just a mess. And you have the New Day out there attributing Biggie in his gear. It's so sweet. And they lose. They lose. And it sucks. And Rich Holland keeps scoring wins over the New Day. The optics are bad. And I don't care. And I want Butch in the ring as soon as possible. But I know in WWE they think, oh my God, Rich Holland is so much bigger than Butch. I don't give a fuck. Butch is a superior worker. Let him get in there with Xavier Woods and they will deliver bangers. Get him in there against Kofi Kingston. They will deliver great matches. Just get Rich Holland. No offense to him. Just get him at ringside. Let him supervise. Let him watch professionals work so he can get better down the road. But this mm -mm, was a miss and a half. I mean, you could have you could have easily. And I mean, this is the theme of pretty much everyone's saying cut some of the video packages, but you could have had uh, uh, Butch had go against, you know, Xavier Woods in a one on one match and or, or even Kofi Kingston, whoever you want in a one on one match and really get over just the aggressiveness and the aggression of this guy and get over a new a new character, someone who you can really build upon. Um, and this crowd would have reacted to because they know who Pete Dunn is. They know who the guy is. They know who the wrestler is. I think that would have got you would have got so much more out of this moment than 
you know, them having this, you know, let's do a couple spots and then Ridge hits a big move and we go home. I just, I, I don't know, man. I would, I would rather you give two minutes to the opening match and give a couple more minutes to Pat McAfee and Austin Theory later on. Like, there's just other spaces you could have used that time for. Absolutely. And this is just a miss all the way around. And fortunately, the show turned around quickly with our semi-main event. First off, Vince McMahon came out to introduce the future of WWE, Atlanta's own Austin Theory. And for Austin Theory to be in the semi-main event of WrestleMania at, what, 24 years old, is pretty damn remarkable. He's getting that Drew McIntyre 2009 treatment saying, hey, you are the chosen one. You've got next. And he faces off against Pat McAfee, who gets an outstanding entrance courtesy of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. And we get Seven Nation Army from the White Stripes. That is the type of music to hype up a crowd. And this crowd went absolutely crazy for Pat McAfee. And for him to get this crowd going, like the Undertaker had the, like the Undertaker had the crowd going doing his Hall of Fame farewell again three times in three nights, it was remarkable. And Michael Cole was the biggest cheerleader for Pat McAfee. I'm going to be blasphemous. I'm going to be blasphemous. Dare I say that Michael Cole was the JR to Pat McAfee's Stone Cold Steve Austin. He hyped this man up. That's his best friend. He supported him. He was full on bias. He was living his best life on commentary, hyping up Pat McAfee. It gave me JR vibes when Gerald would hype up Stone Cold. He's supposed to be impartial, but that's my best friend, damn it. I'm going to root for him. And I just loved Michael's enthusiasm because he loves Pat and it just played off perfectly into this match. And the crowd, this crowd going crazy for Pat McAfee was a highlight to me. It really shows how over this guy is and how beloved he is by the people. This uh, this whole thing, I- I'm glad you brought up the uh, Austin Theory thing. This, the year that this man has had, um, you know, not only was he a part of the infamous golden egg you know that that's always going to live in infamy with him but he got the headline madison square garden against brock lesnar for the wwe title you know we we know that was part of a story it was part of a bigger thing but he was still chosen for that spot he's been the one that's been chosen to be vince mcmahon's right hand man to have all these you know skits with vince mcmahon and yeah they weren't the greatest thing but He's still in these big spots with Vince McMahon. He was the guy that they wanted to have this match with Pat McAfee in the semi-main event of the second night of WrestleMania. And then let's talk about it. You know, we the match was excellent. I, I think anyone who saw Pat McAfee in NXT, they already knew what the deal was. And Austin Theory for 24, this guy, he's making me believe he's a pillar. I, you know, I, maybe that's, that's a little too quick to be saying, but everything I'm seeing from him and for him, for he, him to be that young, he's a pillar. He is a guy that you can legit build around and he's getting more confident. I don't even think we've seen half of what he's done in the ring because I, I've seen him do stuff in NXT that he hasn't even pulled out yet. So this guy is, is incredible. The match was great. One spot that I remember from the Adam Cole match, and, and and he did it again in this match, and I'm glad he did because when he did it in the Adam Cole match, there was no crowd. It was just some of the NXT guys. It was the the backflip off the top rope back into the pop up superplex. He did that, and you know the crowd reacted, but it was it was 
what, 20 people in there because of COVID. We didn't get the full reaction. He did that here in this stadium, and he did the backflip in the crowd. It's like, whoa, whoa. Austin Theory, beautiful facial reactions. Like Austin Theory, again, did his job, knew the assignment, and he showed why they have so much faith in him. He was excellent in this match. Fantastic. When he needed to show aggression, he was aggressive and showed that top guy stuff. Like when he was aggressive towards the end of that match, and he was when he had that, laid that big forearm into him, I was like, yeah, "Okay, this is it. This is that top guy stuff that he's tapping into right here. That main event level stuff." Um, but when Pat McAfee hit that that pop up superplex, and then he runs back up, hits it. The crowd is going nuts, and what a near fall that was! This was only ten. And this is what I was talking about with the Edge thing. This was a ten minute match, and was way better in my opinion than the Edge AJ matches. As far as just it was bang bang, like it was nonstop. You had constant movement. Uh, Pat McAfee more than did his thing, and then it leads into. You know, and Vince McMahon's there the whole time, by the way. But then it leads into Vince and Pat and, and Austin walking out and Michael Cole is going crazy. That's right, that's my guy. Michael Cole loves Pat McAfee, like <laughs> Michael Scott loves Ryan. You know what I'm saying? From the office. That's real love right there. Pat Michael Cole loves Pat McAfee like Kale loves orange soda. Might be showing my age a little bit right there. But that's real love right there. Let me tell you something, okay? Um, and so I, I and Keela, I'm with you. I thought Michael Cole was actually really good tonight. For the most part, from the matches, I you know, from where I was really listening to the commentary, I thought he was really good. He wasn't like yelling at you a lot. He was just he seemed really excited and into it, which is a very different thing to be. Um, you know, we, then we get Vince McMahon. He's like, you know, Pat's pointing at him like, I, I told you, I told you. And Vince is like, okay, wait. And then he's like, you, you want me to come in there? And Vince McMahon is a, tr- a true top tier sports entertainer. He's teasing the crowd and they're going right along with it. And he takes the jacket off. He takes the shirt off. And now this isn't, you know, back in the day, Vince McMahon, he's definitely not built like that. But for his age and what that guy has put his body through, he, he doesn't. He's not the worst looking man at his age to be in the ring like that in a tank top. I'll tell you that. Um, so he, he comes in the ring. And this is where I start to have a little bit of issues. Pat McAfee beats Austin Theory, gets a big win there. Um, I, I don't think you needed to have this match. This match didn't feel necessary to me. And... You know, we, we end up having Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee. So Pat Mac- McAfee got to call WrestleMania and then have two matches on WrestleMania. And, you know, he has the match. And Vince McMahon is just bullying this guy. I mean, he's clotheslining him and then doing a Ric Flair strut. He, and, I mean, he's just walking the dog on him. Pins him real quick. Like this is a this is just a joke of a match. I don't think it Pat Mack if he needed to go through that. This all leads to vent to Stone Cold coming back out, the glass shatters, crowds going crazy, you know, all getting to Stone Cold and Vince McMahon getting in the ring one more time. Me personally, I wouldn't have done the one-on-one match. I might have tried to do a tag match out of Stone Cold. I, I might have been like, hey. Stone Cold, why don't we get a quick two, three-minute tag match? You and Pat McAfee versus Vince McMahon and Austin Theory. 
Austin Theory can come in, he can do all the bumping, and you want to talk about somebody who can bump for Stone Cold, you know, <laughs> close to the level of Kevin Owens, Austin Theory's that guy. He would make Stone Cold look like he was freaking the Incredible Hulk hitting him. So, I, you know, I, that's that's just me. That's what I would have done. I think the idea of Stone Cold and Pat McAfee teaming up, I mean, that's those are clips right there. Those are highlights. But then again, Stone Cold had the perfect send-off, so I get why you didn't want to do that. I don't think Vince McMahon should have had the match, but of course, he's an egomaniac, so he's got to get his stroke of two. He was like, oh, hey, look at all these people. Look at these reactions. They're getting, I got to get my last win in. You know, I can't, I can't let this outsider come in and beat my guy and then I not get revenge for him. But it was cool. People ate it up. The crowd was with it. We get the Stone Cold Stunner. We get the absolute worst sell not even sell because he didn't even get to sell it because he was so out of place off of the kick to the gut. Vince McMahon doing the worst Stone Cold Stunner ever, ever. There will never be a worse one. Um, even his wife's was better than this. And then we get Austin Theory doing a fantastic sell of the Stone Cold Stunner. Pat McAfee doing a fantastic sell of the Stone Cold Stunner. And even an image of him drinking beer while he's laid out on the ground. <laughs> This this is a great segment. Um, maybe wasn't a great idea to be this great before the main event. We'll talk about that. But this is a great segment. Um, you got Stone Cold two nights at WrestleMania. You got Stone Cold in the ring with Vince McMahon one more time, giving him a stunner. Uh, you know, <laughs> what more can you ask for? This is this is a a really cool moment. Really good match. An unnecessary match ending up on a really cool moment with Stone Cold standing tall in the ring. This was sports entertainment times two. This was the peak. I think that the Vince McMahon match was a mistake. I think I would have preferred Vince and Austin Theory to jump Pat McAfee. Then you hear the glass break because there was an issue when Vince and Austin, they were posing and hug- hugging in the ring. Austin Theory's music hit and Vince confused Austin for the wrong Austin and he reacted early and that was a telltale that he was expecting Stone Cold's music to hit. So he telegraphed what was going to happen and then the stunner happened and that was a hot ass mess and Mick Foley was just a meme on Twitter laughing at that bump in real time. It was just ridiculous and Pat McAfee had his moment drinking beer. He gets stunned as well and the beer swelling on the floor was everything. So if it is cut the match, I know internally Dave Meltzer was right. This is going to be a match per se at WrestleMania. But thankfully, Pat McAfee got a full-blown match against, against Austin Theory to say, damn, Pat McAfee is that dude. And he needs at least a match every Big Four pay-per-view, in my opinion. He's great. And these fans absolutely love him. They treat him like a superstar because he treats this business with respect and he brings a lot of love and enthusiasm to everything that he does at commentary. He called his own match while whooping ass the exact same time. And when you bring Michael Cole to life and this guy is rooting for you openly and Byron Saxon, I got to give him kudos too. I thought it was great working with Michael during this matchup. And the best part is Vince is right there. And for once, he's not yelling in their ears backstage. So we got honest to God, authentic, authentic ribbing from Cole and Byron going back and forth. A great repertoire of them having fun and and Byron was so much looser in this setting versus every time he's together with Corey Graves on Monday Night Raw. It was really night and day in this particular match. 
And, and, you know, I, I agree with you about Pat wrestling more and, you know, getting him once, a, you know, at least once a quarter, you know, for the big four. Like, I, I think he should be on, you know, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, uh, probably Money in the Bank. I think that's probably a bigger pay-per-view than Survivor Series at this point, unless you're going to do Pat versus Corey Gray's Raw versus SmackDown there, which could be something. But um, I fully expect Austin Theory to win the U.S. title here in the next month or so. Do you have a match right there that people will get fully invested in? And the idea that Pat could potentially, you know, and this is me just, you know, doing my long-term fantasy booking thing. The idea that you could potentially build to a U.S. title match at SummerSlam, Austin Theory versus Pat McAfee for the U.S. title. And, you know, Pat talking about, I'm going to be walking around with the U.S. title, doing commentary as the champ every week. Like, there's so much fun that you could do with that. Think about that guy walking into his studio with the U.S. title if he were to beat Austin Theory. Like, I I think there's a lot you could do with that. And him beating Austin Theory, and clearly they have big plans for him. And I like I said, I fully expect him to beat Finn Balor for the U.S. title here in the next few weeks. I think that would be a great SummerSlam matchup, him versus Austin Theory for the U.S. title. And I think it's someone that people would legit get invested in and be like, hey, they might put the belt on Pat. Why not? I think he would be a great champion. He has a skill set and he's special in the ring and he just clicks and he has a personality and charisma that cannot be taught and he just has it naturally. And at 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern to have that crowd who is spent go off for everything. And he's a smart man. Seven Nation Army will wake up anybody. They'll pop for you, but they love Pat. And that's just just such a big thing for him to be a guy that really loves what he does and goes out there and puts on an absolute show and calls his own match in real time. I loved it. I thought it was great outside of Vince having his five minutes of fame because the crowd was hot and he said, damn it, I want a WrestleMania moment too. I want them to pop for me. And he got it, but it came at a cost, which was the worst stunner of all time billionaires always got to do billionaire type stuff egomaniacs at their finest yes or at their worst in this particular situation yeah at their worst absolutely (laughs) yes and now it is time for our main event it is hyped as the biggest wrestlemania match in history it is roman reigns versus brock lesnar for the unified universal and wwe title And I thought this match was good. I loved Brock Lesnar introducing himself as the reigning defending WWE champion and Roman Reigns had Paul Heyman do the honors for him. And this match, it was good, as I mentioned. It was not as good as their match at WrestleMania 31 seven years ago. I don't think that match will ever be topped. WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans, it was good, but the crowd didn't care. And I think the one drawback to this match is that when you hype blood for blood, I expected blood. This is an opportunity for you to really heighten the violence of this feud that was talked about on SmackDown for weeks. When you are chasing down security like Brock Lesnar was, you want Roman's blood immediately. You want to cut him open. You don't want to do it the hard way. Get some razor blades if you want to cut and do it that way. Because I know that WWE can be loose and fast with blood sometimes. We went to Suplex City several times. I enjoyed that. Roman hits a spear to Brock through the barricade immediately. And he goes for several Superman punches and brought counters with suplexes at the that the fans pop for. And eventually at one point, Roman's shoulder is out of whack. And it might've been for the barricade spot at the very beginning of this matchup. And at one point when Roman goes for another spear, 
in the best spot of the match, Brock counters with the Kimura and as Roman's trying to escape, Paul pushes the ropes just enough Beautiful. for Roman to grab, to break it. It was so subtle and Michael Cole missed it. I didn't miss it because the camera was right there when Paul put that finger on that rope to help Roman grab it. And you hear Roman say, my shoulder's out. And I'm like, oh shit, this isn't good. So the match continues. They go on for a bit longer. We got some F5 teases from Brock Lesnar. He's a couple for a near fall, but Brock, but Brock does take a spear from Roman as Roman becomes the unified champion. It was a very flat finish, but I think they had to go home early due to the shoulder injury, which I hope at worst is a separated shoulder because I don't want any torn ligaments. This guy's had a run for well over two years now as universal champion, and I don't want that to be derailed by an injury that would be terrible news for WWE for WWE so here's hoping is that a serious shoulder injury but even before that injury took place I just thought the match just fell short of expectations in terms of what was talked about on Smackdown blood for blood when you say something you need to do it you need to level up the intensity of this feud it did not matter four years ago when there was blood everywhere at Wrestlemania make it count blood for blood at Wrestlemania give the fans something to really invest in the fans were here for the match they were excited but it just fell short of those expectations it reminds me of Charlotte Flair Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch and that winner takes all match three years ago at Wrestlemania in New York New Jersey and there were no callbacks to what Charlotte and Ronda did with the kendo sticks and the chairs at Survivor Series and Becky going after both ladies in a very violent matter as well. The violence wasn't there and the same thing happened via this main event. The violence wasn't there to really push this blood feud over the top. Yeah, I, you know, I, I really kind of tend to agree with you. I, I think this match in particular really fell to expectations because the the build to this has been so good. I, I think this has been one of the best built matches they've I mean they've had in a really long time, especially considering how played out and how tired of this match people were just a couple of years ago for them to be able to run it back at the grandest stage of them all. And think about what they've been able to do. Like Brock Lesnar has won the Royal Rumble, the Elimination Chamber, beaten one of the fan favorite champs in Bobby Lashley, and still been able to remain as liked and well-received as he has. If this had been Brock from three years ago and he did all that, they would have booed this match out the building and they would have booed Brock Lesnar out the building. Again, testament to Brock Lesnar and the build in this match that they did when the match, when the, the entrances hit, you know, Roman's music hits, big fight feel. You know, the crowd stands up. There's an energy there. He soaks it in. I'm glad we got the acknowledge me line in there because that's, people People want to hear that. You could tell people were anticipating that when he just grabs the mic, people start cheering and you can feel the energy. Uh, Brock Lesnar comes out. Feels like a baby face. Feels like the guy that everybody is behind to who they want to win the match, regardless of how cool they may think Roman is or how much they may like him as a character. There's a different feel when Brock comes out. It's like, all right, we want this guy to win, though. This is who we're pulling for. And Brock Lesnar, the ultimate baby face, playing to the crowd, throwing the belts up, not even looking at Roman Reigns as he walks by until he gets to you know acknowledge all of his his fans that are going crazy for him. Him doing the entrances was great. You know, and, and I thought that whoever the guy that does the entrance, it seemed like he was trying to get fired up a little bit after Paul Heyman did his. He had a little extra 
gusto in his voice and then Brock was like nah dude sit your tail back let me I, I'll, I'll take care of this so that was that's a nice baby face thing for Brock Lesnar to do he's just having a blast with this the match was what you would expect it was a heavy hitting big man match um you knew what you were getting going in the 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 shoulder spot man I that was I I do wonder because I, I think you could have done this in three sets. I think you could have had pretty much the match they had take off a few minutes in the first part. The second part of the match is when Brock Lesnar should have took the gloves off. Because when he takes the gloves off, he goes ground and pound. He starts throwing deep elbow strikes, you know, heavy fists to the body. That should have came next. Brock should have hit like an F5. We get a big kick out. And then Brock's like, word, let's do this. Let me go get my blood. Takes the gloves off and he starts grounding and pounding. Roman needed to experience a little bit more of that before we get to the Kimura because that's a great counter spot when Roman gets on top. So Brock is, you know, laying it in. He's got, he's laying these elbows in heavy, heavy, heavy. You can draw a little juice if you want. If you don't have to, that's fine. But that aggression needed to be there. So then we get to the next part of the match. This is where Roman throws his ground and pound. Both of these guys throw ground and pound in almost every one of their big matches, except for this one when they're facing each other. Then I'm talking the serious one. Think about the ground and pound that Roman was throwing at Daniel Bryan. Those heavy hands. The ones he was throwing at Jey Uso. Those heavy hands coming down. That should have been the next phase of the match. Roman turns the tide. You know, Roman hits that second gear. That's something they've been preaching in all of his matches, all these big, long, epic matches, is that people start hot against him. That was one of the big things with the uh, with Finn Balor as the demon. People start hot against Roman Reigns. They come out hot. They, you know, they, they go through him. They go at him. But Roman wears him down. Roman has that extra, you know, that extra gas tank where he's able to just keep going in a match that's the story you tell here. And that would fit. You know, Brock comes out because he wants blood. So he comes out heavy. He's the one who open, you know, who goes with the heavy hands and pulls the gloves off first. And then Roman wears him down. That's when Roman starts going the ground and pound. Now we're into that final phase of the match. Now when Roman hits that first spear kick out, when he hits that second spear and Brock catches him, especially when he's been selling that shoulder, man. Now the crowd's into it. Think about how they were then. You do all of that and add all that into the match. That is a legit, oh my God, we're about to, he's about to make him tap. Not only is he going to beat him, he's going to make him tap. You know, and, and then you go to your go home where you hit your big moves and stuff. I, it felt like a portion of the match was missing there. Um, whether it's the way I laid it out or whether whatever they had in mind, but it, I don't, and I agree with that. I wonder, Keela, if it is because there was a legit injury with the shoulder, because he seemed fine after the match, and maybe he popped it back in or whatever, but he was able to lift those titles and keep going. So I don't know, especially when Paul Heyman said, You got to keep going. You're my tribal chief. This is your time. That would have been a great time for Roman to fire up and go to his ground and pound part of the match. That would have been a perfect time for him to do that. Um, even in, in, in I, I don't know. I just feel like there was a portion of the match. It was a good match. I, I, you know, at this point, I don't think they can have a bad match, especially the way the crowd reacts. It didn't quite hit four stars. I'm at like three and three quarters as far as a rating goes for that match. So it's a solid main event. Roman gets another dominant win. But I just feel like there was a portion of the match that could have been added. And we have an all-time classic.
Yeah, I agree. If they had that WrestleMania 31 energy, it would be a classic because you had the crowd that cared for the first time and the crowd was ready and the match just kind of fell short. It was not bad. And I'm happy that Roman is now officially locked into God mode as unified champion. But I think it's imperative for him to drop one of those titles very, very soon to who I do not know. Let him keep the universal championship for himself. But the WWE title needs to go back on Monday Night Raw as soon as possible because we need opponents on SmackDown for Roman. And the list starts and ends with Drew McIntyre. And there is no one else in that list that will compete against him right now, which is kind of rough for SmackDown on Monday Night Raw. The options are are limitless in terms of who can vie for that championship. I know that WWE wanted to make Roman as strong as possible, and they've done that. And a big credit goes to Brock Lesnar's character work. If it was not for cowboy loving Brock Lesnar, moose hunting Brock, ponytail, winter couture Brock Lesnar, this would not work. He was absolutely outstanding from SummerSlam up until the end of WrestleMania. But now I never want to see these two men wrestle again. Their feud has lasted on and off for seven years. It's time to bid it adieu. And it's imperative that you have to build someone up for Roman Reigns to eventually dethrone him for that championship. Do they dare wait until next year's WrestleMania? The Rock did some eyeball, emo- some eyeball emojis to Towards the end of this show, he was not there and fans should not be upset because that was just a fantasy idea by a lot of fans out there online. But if you're going to wait that long, you really need Roman to have compelling opponents to face off on SmackDown against. And right now, I don't see anybody outside of Drew McIntyre that fits the bill at this point. And that's part of why, you know, I I, th- I think you got to you got to save Cody Rhodes because that is a SummerSlam or WrestleMania, only those two level type of match. You know, I, I don't see any reason why it doesn't happen. It has to be one of those places for Cody Rhodes. I think Lashley's a good you know, a pony that you can get one or even maybe two matches out of uh, and get believable matches. Seth Rollins is somebody that you can still go back to. They have unfinished business there. Drew McIntyre, like you said, he's someone that's been protected well. Um, I, I still think Gunther is a guy, whenever you're ready to turn Roman Reigns babyface, Gunther and Imperium are the that's the group that you bring up to turn the bloodline babyface. Hell, maybe even you have Paul Heyman aligned with them, but that's the group that you bring up when you're ready to turn Roman babyface. So there are some people there that you can you know even Edge is a heel now with Damian Priest that adds a another wrinkle there. People will easily start cheering Roman Reigns against Edge, especially if he just starts cutting promos that are like, yo, you know who I am? Like people will will get behind that. And if Edge becomes the heel that he should, you can you can run that back one more time just with a different dynamic. So there are options there, but they got to be smart about it, and they have to show some restraint. You got to you got to use Bobby Lashley right now. You can get something out of him. Um, say, but Cody Rhodes that cannot happen at a you know a battleground or a uh, God forbid a Great Balls of Fire because you know they love they wasted a Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar match there, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, so you just got to be smart about it. But Keila, I, I do think you bring up a great point. Is where do you really go? Because Roman is going to have to have compelling people to go after 
you know, especially as a unified champion, he's running both shows. So he's got to have people ready to go, which means WWE has to do one thing they're not good at. And that's keeping guys ready to go in the, in the main event scene, which means you can't have them doing 50, 50 booking while they're waiting. Absolutely. And that's the key moving forward because Roman is great. I will say that the last few pay-per-view matches outside of Seth Rollins at the Royal Rumble, they have not been great. And it's now time for him to really reinvigorate the runny hat prior to the return of fans when every match was a banger, whether it was against his cousin, Jey Uso, to Cesaro, to Kevin Owens, who was a great opponent for him during the latter stages of 2020. He just needs somebody to work with, multiple people to work with to make this reign count for something. And somebody must be made by beating him eventually. And dare I say, it's inching closer for that time to take place between now and maybe SummerSlam. As we all know, Money in the Bank is going down in Las Vegas. Big stadium vibe once again, heading into 4th of July weekend. And if Cody's going to do something, I would say win Money in the Bank. I, that's not, I, I, that's not a bad idea either. Um, you know, especially cause that would give Cody kind of a nice talking point to have. And the other thing I'm thinking, you know, the rock doesn't show up here and that, you know, that's kind of one of my ideas is that maybe the rock would show up and kind of just tease the long-term build of him in LA. If you're not going to get the rock in LA, I, I think you go ahead and start getting Braun Breaker ready to get called up. I, you, whoever beats Roman Reigns for the title has to be a young babyface. And I can really genuinely only think of maybe two or three people who I would consider to beat Roman Reigns in a long-term type thing. Gunther is a guy, I know he's not young, but he's a guy that you could put the strap on and genuinely you know, kind of run the company with, especially if you give him Paul Heyman as a mouthpiece. Um, Austin Theory is another guy. I know it sounds crazy to think about, but every spot he's been in, he's knocked it out the park. And I think this guy could legit be a top guy. And you would have to do some serious work and do some serious rebranding of him just as a top guy who can get the big win, but he's got it in him. And Braun Breaker, you you have you can start building this guy up now. Bring him in raw after Mania, give him a big win. He lost to Dolph Ziggler on NXT. That whole universe, you know, you can you can not even count that when it comes to Raw. You give him a big victory at the Raw after Mania, that crowd going nuts, people will forget all about that. You know, and you have him move on away from that and just steamroll him. You give him a big push, man. You you give him squash matches for the first two months of his TV and just let him get over his power game. The Frankensteiner, jump, you know, leap into the top rope. Let him hit that moonsault he hit one time in NXT that people were blown away by. Let him do these different things. You know, let him do something different. Let him do what Daniel Bryan did. Let him end the match with a different finisher. Steiner recliner one week. Frankensteiner the next week. Power slam the next week. Steiner, Steiner, uh, the Steiner line the next week. Like, let him end the match with all these different moves. And then when he has a real match, you never know when it's going to end. Build this guy up. That's, he's almost a can't miss. So, I, you gotta get you gotta get ready, man. Roman can't be champion forever, and next year seems like a good time to crown somebody new in LA. I've been saying it for a very long time. 
This rain is great, but you've got to build somebody up. And here's hoping that WWE listens to that sentence very carefully. You got a Gunther. You've got a Braun Breaker. Austin Theory is an option. Gable Steves is coming up next. Mm, WWE is very aware. And I do like the youth movement heading into Raw, specifically after WrestleMania. SmackDown needs just as much. They are aware of this, but you've got to get people ready now and for the fans out there we've been clamoring for this for a long time and the one thing i don't want to see is thinking that somebody's getting too much too soon if they're naturally gifted don't roman reigns them for five years and derail their momentum because you're salty about something because these rosters they're not exactly young there are a lot of mid-30s on this roster who work at a very high level but you got to get your mid-20s up there too that can hang with the mid-30s and get to that point of main event a WrestleMania very soon. I look at AEW and you see a lot of mid-20s out there and they're not in their prime yet, but you can see the future. WWE is about a year behind that curve. They've got to see it. you got pieces there. It's all about putting them in positions to succeed and making sure the fan base and making sure the fan base doesn't rebel. And that's on us to make sure accept the change if it makes sense. You can't rebel against something that makes sense at the end of the day. Yeah, and I mean you're you're absolutely right. You just and and but part of that too is it's got to fall on WWE. You got to present these guys and girls right. Like you got to bring them in, and you have to have a plan. You just even if it's a loose plan, you have to have like some some milestones they need to hit. Like all right, at at SummerSlam they're going to be facing so and so, so we need to get them ready and have this person getting wins, so that way. You know, when this match happens, it means something. Like you just need to have just a plan and a you know just a, a loose plan of what you're going to do. You, you you can't bring guys. Up. That was the issue for a long time. They were just bringing guys and girls up just because they were getting over and they wanted a nice reaction. You got to have a plan, especially when you have incredibly talented once in a lifetime. Well, I mean, once in a life that's ridiculous. Once in a generation type talent like a Braun Breaker, who's I mean, he's can't miss. Everyone who sees him says he's can't miss. They they show me that they might be able to miss with this guy with some of the decisions they make. So you just got to have a plan. Just show me you have a plan, and I'll I'll go along for the ride. Indeed. And with that, Scott, what is your final grade for WrestleMania when you combine both shows together? Oh man, I I could be just you know you know just because it's the it's something I've just seen and I've I've really enjoyed it for the most part. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it an eight, man. I I really enjoyed both nights of WrestleMania. Um, I even even this main event, which I thought was a little lacking, was still a really good main event and a really good you know cap to the to the weekend. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a solid eight. This was a very very enjoyable WrestleMania for me. I got to give it an eight as well. I thought that night one was the much better show in terms of the presentation and the emotions of Bianca Belair winning with her drum line in tow. And you get the return of Cody Rhodes and that entrance. I've seen it several times now. I still get chills. That's how special that was. Stone Cold coming out of retirement for one night. Like that is untoppable. But last night I thought was sports entertainment from WWE at its finest. You get a corner 
cornucopia of everything. You get RK Bro, Street Profits, and Alpha Academy putting on a show. You get the absolute batshit crazy classic between Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville. You get the traditional match between AJ Styles and Edge. And you have Pat McAfee absolutely being a star in Dallas against Austin Theory. So I just thought all in all, it was a really good tonight WrestleMania. Roman and Brock, it was fine. It was not that epic battle we expected maybe due to Roman's shoulder injury, which is hopefully not that serious. But all in all, I thought this was a great two-night spectacular from WWE. And for them to run it back-to-back in this way, in AT&T Stadium, to eclipse what they did six years ago in the same building with one big show, that did not mean a whole lot. They made these two nights count for something. You got something different on Saturday. You got something different on Sunday. And they were both great in their own way. And now we have WrestleMania. Monday Night Raw, the night after, the biggest show of the year. What's going to happen? Who's going to show up? What will Cody Rhodes say on a live mic in a WWE ring for the first time in six years? And it's all about resetting the table for post-WrestleMania season. And I'm thankful that WWE did not overthink this pay-per-view and think about WrestleMania backlash. Think about it later. Don't think about it during WrestleMania because that's what happened last year that really dragged down night two. Yeah, I um, I, this I'm actually really excited about uh, what's going to happen on Monday Night Raw because you I I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I brought up the idea of Bobby Lashley, but who knows what they're going to do? Maybe they will go in the code, and it's not like I'm going to be upset about it because I'm going to be very intrigued. But uh, yeah, this is the for them to to pull this off, and I think about this. If they did do one night and they combined this card, and obviously not all the matches, but they did like an eight, you know, eight, nine match card like they did for each night, man, you're talking about legit one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. You know, if you were to take the eight best matches segments from both nights and put them on one card, wow. I mean, that's that's an incredible card. So, yeah, over two nights, this was this was special. And I think this is how, I mean, this is the blueprint going forward. You get a little bit of every. I'm, I'm glad you laid it out like that. You got your, you know, your purists at the beginning with the tag team wrestling at its finest. I, I thought, especially for a three way, you get sports entertainment at its finest with celebrities. Johnny Knoxville, way better than had any right to be. You get Vince McMahon and Stone Cold in a ring again. So your old school fans get a little bit of something right there. Um, and then you get the biggest match that you can possibly put on as a company, which is kind of drawn in a little bit of everybody. Um, you didn't get that classic women's moment that you had with Bianca beating Becky. I know they went for it with Sasha and Naomi, but you know nothing was topping that. But this is full of moments and matches and I just don't know what more you can ask for out of two nights, man. I, my hat is off to WWE. You have done a great job this weekend. Just don't screw it up on Monday night. Yeah, they got one show to go. We'll check Friday for SmackDown, but really, the night after WrestleMania, that is your punch. That is your final heart sell to cap off a very good weekend for WWE. This was easily the best two-night experiment they've done thus far, dating back to the empty arena mania two years ago, which is night and day versus this WrestleMania that was really good. And the crowd, a shout out to them. Two nights bringing the absolute best energy, popping for Taker three nights in a row, popping for all the good shit. Congrats to you. You fans 
were absolutely incredible and you did the damn thing. You made me hyped because you were hyped. And that makes me love watching wrestling so much. And the crowd is happy to be there and they're amped up and WWE giving them something to get hyped up about. Absolutely. I, you know, they just, you have, you have an opportunity. I think you're going to, I think they're going to have a good rating. I genuinely think you're going to be able to get people to tune in, especially at that eight o'clock before the national championship game, you get that eight o'clock. And I think probably, you know, maybe that 10 o'clock, you probably get some people to tune in, but that eight o'clock hour, you have a real opportunity to get people tuned and hooked in for the rest of the show. So what I expect a huge lead in. So whatever, whatever their biggest thing is, I think it's going to be at the top of the hour and it's going to be something big. Yes. And kudos to Vince back to back show, sir. You did that. And dare I say that Cody Rhodes might've been an executive producer because this shit hasn't been this coherent in years. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you know what? He, we 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 make jokes about it, but it's got to be the con. Something about a con, <laughs> you know. Whether it's Nick or Tony, there's something about a con that just makes things work. They making money. The WrestleManias are making sense. What the hell is going on over there? What what the cons drinking that I need to be sipping on too? Seriously, because this is a rarity when you get two coherently booked WrestleManias, and I have nothing to complain about hardly. It never happens. It happened on this night. And I'm very happy. They got one show to go. I hope they don't fuck it up. It's not too late. But to do two shows, two WrestleManias, and be in your back both shows is remarkable by a very old man that can't take a stunner in 2022. Yeah, and then that was actually that was a, kind of a funny moment, and I don't wanted to make it seem like you know I enjoyed everything on both nights because I definitely didn't, and there were you know definitely decisions that baffled me. We won't even talk about five years going down the drain on my man Corbin, but it's just the the, the good stuff. Like I said at the top of the show, when WWE gets it right, they really get it right, and they got a lot of stuff just really right this weekend. So the over the good stuff really outweighed the bad stuff for me. Yes, fingers crossed for a good show tonight via Monday Night Raw. And we'll be back next week talking all things WWE to wrap up a very busy WrestleMania weekend. So, Scott, once again, thank you for joining me for two stupendous nights of WrestleMania that lived up or in some cases exceeded expectations. Absolutely. This, like I said, it's always a blast to chop it up with you and, and talk to WWE and just, you know, to to experience our, our first WrestleMania together as, as co-hosts. This was a lot of fun and I look forward to doing more WrestleManias and hopefully we figure out exactly what Nikki Ash is doing on Monday night. Oh my goodness. Just couldn't let it go. This is an awesome two-night WrestleMania review. Much better than the shows I covered last year outside of Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks owning the night and Roman stacking and pinning Brian Danielson and Edge on the same show. You know, this WrestleMania was great. It was a great time with you for two straight nights covering the most stupendous two-night WrestleMania in history and dare I say WWE little to the hype but we'll be back next week covering the fallout from WrestleMania right here on the Fight Game Media Network so for myself and for Scott that's a wrap on WrestleMania 38.